Bless the Lord. We are here to conclude our teaching on the threefold chord, the grave responsibility of the modern day minister. Let's turn our attention to Ecclesiastes chapter 4 and we read from verse 8 to verse 12. There is one alone without companion. He has neither son nor brother, yet there is no end to all his labors, nor is his eye satisfied with riches. But he never asks, for whom do I toll and deprive myself of good? This also, this, is, this also is vanity and a grave misfortune. Two are better than one, because they have a good report, good reward for their labor. For if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls. For he has no one to help him up. Again, if two lie together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. May God add his blessing to the reading of his precious and holy word. Amen. We're going to conclude our preaching this morning on the threefold cord of knowledge, vision, impartation, or we can say anointing. Now, note where they start the journey. The point of departure is at Gilgal. God mightily used Moses to deliver God's people out of the land of bondage, Egypt. Several million of God's people wandered in the wilderness for 40 long years because of their unbelief and their murmuring and complaining against God. Joshua takes one step further and he crosses not the Red Sea like Moses had done, but he crosses the River Jordan. And they camp at the place called Gilgal. Now, what we need to realize is this, that something very significant happened at Gilgal. All those people, all those males who had come out of Egypt died in the wilderness. Every man that was brought out of Egypt died in the wilderness. A new generation was born in the wilderness. But as yet, this new generation as yet did not carry the sign of the covenant. And because they did not carry the sign of the covenant, it would seem as if they were not yet the true people of God. As they cross over the Jordan and camp at Gilgal, God through Joshua reenacts the rite of circumcision. Let's go there. Let's turn to Joshua chapter 5 and we read from verse 2. Joshua 5 verse 2. At that time the Lord said unto Joshua, Make these sharp knives and circumcise again the children of Israel the second time. And Joshua made him sharp knives and circumcised the children of Israel at the heel of their foreskins. And this is the cause why Joshua did circumcise. 
all the people that came out of Egypt that were males, even all the men of war died in the wilderness, by the way, after they came out of Egypt. Now all the people that came out were circumcised, but all the people that were born in the wilderness, by the way, as they came forth out of Egypt, they had not been circumcised. For the children of Israel walked forty years in the wilderness, till all the people that were men of war which came out of Egypt were consumed, because they obeyed not the voice of the Lord, unto whom the Lord swore that he would not show them the land which the Lord swore unto their fathers that he would give us, a land flowing with milk and honey. And the children whom he raised up in their chief stead, then Joshua circumcised, for they were uncircumcised, because they had not circumcised them by the way. And it came to pass, when they had done circumcising, all the people that abode in their places in the camp, till they were whole. And the Lord said unto Joshua, note this now, This day have I rolled away the reproach of Egypt from off you, wherefore the name of this place is called Gilgal unto this day. God makes a marked decision between His elect and those outside of His election. How does God do it in the Old Testament? He does it through the act of circumcision. Only the Jews, the Israeli nation, were circumcised. This set them apart from every other nation. And we know for 430 long years, that nation was in captivity under slavery, hard taskmasters being the Egyptians. They were delivered by Moses and Joshua. They camp, their first camp is at Gilgal. And what does Joshua do? Joshua circumcises those men. They become the people of God. God becomes their God. They enter into covenant relationship. They become God's people and God becomes their God. He becomes their father. Amen. He becomes their father. You know, I always teach and say that although God promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that their seed will be numbered as the sands of the sea and as the stars in the heaven, Abraham's family, Abraham's wife was barren, Isaac's wife was barren, and Jacob's wife was barren. They had no power to reproduce whatsoever. God performs a miracle and he brings forth this great nation. But for them to be the nation of God, to stand distinct from any other nations, they had to be circumcised, the sign of the covenant. After they are circumcised, note what this great man Joshua does. He takes five smooth, uh, 12 smooth stones and he builds a circle as a sign of the covenant. He takes those 12 massive smooth stones or rocks and he builds a circle. And that is what Gilgal means. It means a circle. And God says to them that he becomes their God and they become his people through the act of circumcision. If you study the right and the purpose of circumcision. And this is what God says to them. This day will I re roll away your reproach from Egypt. God makes a distinction between the Egyptians and his people, the Jewish nation, the Israelis. And he takes their sin, their shame, and their disgrace that they suffered there in 
Egypt. He put it, so to say, in a wheel. And he rolls it away from his people because he becomes their God. Amen. So Gilgal means to roll away. It means a wheel. To place in a wheel disgrace and shame, reproach, and roll it out of the lives of the people. So that is the knowledge that was imparted there to the people of God. Amen. Now, let us consider the vision. Let us consider the vision. Amen. Now, knowledge is imparted, but the vision also has to be imparted. Now, great things happened at Gilgal. Amen. There they became God's people. And the purpose of the Jewish nation was to take the word of God, receive the commandments of God, have a revelation of who Jehovah was, and then convey it to the rest of the world. They were the first true witnesses of our Lord as such. But instead of them influencing other nations, they allowed other nations to influence them. God was their God. God was their protector. God was their promoter. Amen. God was their provider. God was their God. They were under theocratic government. They were ruled by God, so to say. But after years, after considering the other nations round about them, they had a desire in their heart to become like other nations. And instead of them influencing the nations, the nations influenced them. And then they went to Samuel and convinced Samuel that they wanted to be like other nations. They were sick and tired of serving a God they could not see. They wanted to serve a man who they could see and could touch. Samuel said, no, this is wrong. But they insisted and he gave into them. And what happened was this? What happened was this? You read your Bible carefully. We won't have time to go to the scripture. But you read 1 Samuel chapter 11 verses 14 to 15. You know the story so well. They chose a man instead of God. They chose, who was it? They chose Saul. And do you know where they crowned this man? They'd done away with theo theocracy and they put man instead. God who was their heavenly king was pushed aside and now they had an earthly king. They crowned Saul at Gilgal. And what did I say about Gilgal? Gilgal means what? It means a wheel in which disgrace and shame is placed in and it's rolled away. It's rolled away. At Gilgal, God became their God. But what happened? They chose a man instead of God. And what they do, done rather, they took God who became the God at Gilgal. They put him in a wheel and they rolled God out of their lives. They did it as Frank Sinatra said. We are sick and tired of doing it God's way. I'll do it my way. Let me say there's only one way and that's the best way. That is the ways of God. They rolled God out of their life. They were tired of theocracy. They wanted to have an earthly king. I hope you got the knowledge. I hope you got the vision. Let's move on now. And let's go to Bethel. And remember what the servant of God, the, the major said to the minor, stay here, I'm moving on. But what did he say? I will not let go of you. I will go where you go. And the scripture comes to mind. Even as the heart pants after the water brook, so panted my soul after thee. He will not 
leave the side of his master. Praise God. He fixed himself to his master. And they came to Bethel. They came to Bethel. You know what happened at Bethel. Let me give you the scripture. Time does not permit me to read out the scripture. But when you have time and make time, my brother and my sister, go to Genesis chapter 28 and read from verse 10 to verse 19. You know the story so well. How that Jacob fled from Esau. How he robbed his brother of his birthright. Oh, my brother and my sister, let me say this. We have a saying, and I'm not original in that saying. I think Pastor Tyron Pretorius was the first man that I heard say it. He had a saying, reach for the stars, but don't trample underfoot the daisies. And I'm saying there are too many men in the world and work of God these days that they don't care who stands in their way. They push through the crowd and they push aside people. They don't care who they trample on to reach their goals. And I'm here to tell you that we not ought to follow in the footsteps of Jacob where that's concerned. But nevertheless, you cannot run from God. You can run and hide from man, but you can never run and hide from God. What did David say? If I ever go north, south, east, west, if I go to the deeper sea, even if I make my bed in hell, God is there. You cannot run from God. Tired from his fleeing, tired of his, of his stress, tired of just being physically run down. He makes his bed and he gets uh, 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 rocks and, and he makes a bed and he puts a, a rock down as a pillow and he sleeps on that rock. He puts his head to rest, but sad to say, he did not rest. There's only one rest you can have. And I'm not talking about the Sabbath rest. Jesus says, come unto me and I will give thee rest. By the way, we don't glory in a day. We glory in a person. We glory in Jesus. Hallelujah. He put his head on that pillow. And if you read Genesis chapter 8, verse 10 to 19, you know what happened. He had a, a vision of a ladder, seeing angel ascending and descending with God on the top of it. God appears to him and God tells him who he is. God confirms the Abrahamic covenant with him. And he wakes from that dream. He awakes from that dream. And by the way, I've got to share this with you. He has a godly dream. He has a godly dream. And I'm here to remind you, men of God, have a dream for God. Dream big. D-R-E-A-M. Dreams reveal eternal aspirations miraculously. Hallelujah. He dreamed. He dreamed of seeing God and hearing God reenact the Abrahamic covenant. Oh, praise God. Praise God. He says this place is no ordinary place. This place is unique. Here is where God has shown himself to me. Here God has appeared unto me. This place shall be called Bethel, which means the temple of God. Hallelujah. You know, God is gracious. God is merciful. You can run for, for man, but never from God. And no matter how bad you are, no matter when you hoodwink people, if you still desire spiritual things, God will not cut you off because God will honor his word to your father. And sometimes the word that comes to you and to me is not because of you and I, it's because of our spiritual fathers. I want you to appreciate that. Now, that's the knowledge. Now, let's go to the vision. Let's go to the vision. And if you want to understand the vision, you've got to go to 1 Kings. Amen. 1 Kings chapter 12, verse 25 to 33. You know that David, Saul was the first king. Then David. 
then Saul, and then who became king? Solomon. So it was Saul, David, and Solomon. But you know what happened during the time of, um, no, I said it wrong. It's David, uh, no, it's Saul, it's David, it's Solomon, and then Rehoboam. Rehoboam. Let me say it again. Saul, David, Solomon, and Rehoboam. Amen. Now, let me say this one thing. Vision is paramount. Knowledge and vision is paramount. We've got to have it. It's got to go together. And this is the vision I trust that God is imparting to you now. After the death of Solomon, right? The son of David, who became king? Rehoboam. But during the time of Solomon, there was one upstart named Jeroboam. And he rebelled against Solomon and he was banished. He was exiled. But after the death of Solomon, he comes back and he says to the king, the young king Rehoboam, I will serve you. I will submit to you. I will bow down. I will be your servant. But don't be as harsh to me as your father was. Don't be as harsh. And then instead of consulting the gray-haired men where wisdom is with, with the old, he goes to the young men and the young man says, tell that upstart Jeroboam that your little finger, your punky finger will be a thousand times more harsh than what your father was. What happened? There was no future for him. So he, he flees again. But what he does, he splits the nation. He splits a nation. He takes the ten tribes of the north and he becomes their king. Rehoboam stays in the south and he's only the king of Judah and Benjamin. But you know, you can take the people away, away from God. But you can never take God away from the people. You know, God, I'm going to say that again. You can take the people away from God and even from God's appointed and God's anointed. But you can never take God away from the people. God is merciful. God is gracious. And after this nation split, what happened was this. Those specific feast days, Passover, uh, tabernacles and all this, atonement, all. When these special feasts came, the people by the thousands flocked to Jerusalem because there was the true temple of God. And Jeroboam discovered that he was losing his subjects. So to counter that move, that the people no more immigrate and stay in Jerusalem, but rather come back to him or stay with him, he does two things. He ordains men, and the Bible speaks of base men. And he builds two tabernacles, uh, two temples, and he builds two golden calves, and he places, notice where he places these golden calves. He places one at Dan, and where do you suppose he places the other? He places it at Bethel. The temple of God becomes an abomination because he puts a golden calf in Dan and Bethel, and he says to the people that these are the gods that have brought you out of the land of Egypt. You got the knowledge, you got the vision. The nation, the ten northern tribes were in a backslidden state. Oh, oh my God, my God, my God. Oh, just praise God for his mercy. Praise God for his grace. The man of God, the major said to the minor. The mentor said to the prodigy, you wait here. You wait here at, 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 at Bethel. You wait at this place of abomination. You wait here. I'm going yonder to Jericho. 
What did the young man say? No, you can't detract me from what I want. I'm, I'm after the blessings and the anointing of God. You see my people. You see what dilemma they're in. You see how that they're bound and shackled by evil spirits. I cannot let you go. Where you go, I go too as well. Where they went, they came to Jericho. Once again, time does not permit me to go through the scriptures, but you read it, Joshua chapter 6, verse 8 to 20. And there a mighty lesson is taught. Their very first conquest was against the city of Jericho. Their very first conquest was against the city of Jericho. What did they do there? What did they do? Did they draw spears? Did they draw their shields, uh, their, 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 their daggers and their swords? No. My Bible says that for 13 times they walked around the city of Jericho, which seemed impregnable. But all they done was to walk and walk once per day for six days. But on the Sabbath day, they walked seven times, a sign of perfection. Glory be to God. All they done was to walk. Amen. And they had the priest go before them. And then they, all that they done was to blow the trumpets and give one loud shout. And when the trumpets blew and the shout came forth from the people of God, those walls fell. God was giving them knowledge and understanding that the battle is not, the, is not that of man. The battle belongs to God. God gave them an understanding not to lean on the arm of flesh because the arm of flesh would surely fail them. They were taught by God to look up from whence cometh their help. They were taught by God not to trust in horses and in chariots, but to trust in the loving God who is the mighty one glory be to God glory be to God as those wars fell amen they conquered the city they conquered the city God was teaching them giving them knowledge of how to conquer the battle is the Lord's not ours now let me impart the vision let me impart the vision and this is the vision after that great conquest sealed by God for the people of God. What did they do when they came to AI? What did they do when they came to AI? No, no, what did they do? They never marched around AI. They never called a solemn assembly. They never have a time of fasting and prayer. No, we just take a few men and we send them down there and those few men can conquer AI. But what happened there? Many were killed as they fled from the AI army. You see, this is it. When God gives us knowledge, we've got to live up to the, the, the vision tells us if we don't do it according to God's set forth pattern, there's nothing but chaos and confusion. So I hope you get the knowledge. I hope you get the vision. The knowledge is how that we walk before God, how we worship God, that the, the, the problems of life and of the church might be, diminish. Amen. As God gives us the victory over and over again. But when we take matters into our own hands and feel that we can do it. And what I'm saying is this. This is what's happening in the church. Too many men of God are doing it their own way, not God's way. They are pointing this one and that one into ministry based on friendship. And not based on whether or not God's hand is sealed upon a man or a woman. Then he says, you stay here. I'm going one more place. I'm going to the Jordan, brother. I'm going to the Jordan. And the young man of God says, no, no, no. Where you go, I go. Other than the major 
the mentor, the coach, endeavoring to discourage the young man. Do you know also the prophets in those various places also discourage him and said, don't you know that your master is going today? He said, yes, I know it. Hold your peace. Tell you sometimes the very people in the church will come up against you, young man, when the hand of the Lord is upon you. But fret not. God is not only with you, God is in you. Amen. And the very ones who are jealous of you, there comes a time they got to accept you because God's hand is upon you. They came to the Jordan. What did the man of God do? He said, where? <laughs> no, he just took his, he took his uh, 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 mantle and he smote the river this way and that way and it parted. And he went over and he went over. I spoke to you of a threefold cord. Hmm? I spoke of knowledge, vision. I gave it to you now. And that by, I believe by the Spirit of God. And I believe Elijah imparted that to Elisha. He gave him the knowledge and he gave him the vision. But only the anointing comes from God. Let me say something dynamic to you, man of God. And I trust that God would arrest your spirit as this truth is imparted. I love the, the, the chorus and, the old, and yet it is scripture. It's not by might, nor by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. It's not by might, no, 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 nor by power, by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen. I'm here to tell you, men of God, it's not by the might of knowledge gained. It's not by the power of your vision, which is so far greater than anyone else's vision. It's not by the might of your knowledge, nor by the power of your vision. It, unless God, through the Holy Spirit, takes his glory and power and places on your knowledge and your vision, the whole exercise is futile. The anointing must come upon that which has been imparted. Knowledge must come. Yes, but it must be anointed by the Spirit of God. Vision must come, but it must be anointed by the Spirit of God. Oh, hallelujah. They crossed over. And no doubt the major, the mentor could see that this young man meant business. And he knew that he could in no way detract the young man. He said to the young man, what do you want, Elijah? What do you want of me? You've been faithful. You poured water on my hands. Wherever I've been, you've been with me. You were like a son to me. You are a good man, and I want to reward you. Then the young the man says, Elijah says, the minor prophet, I want a double portion of the Spirit of God that's upon you. I want a double portion of your anointing. This is one of the biggest mistakes that the minor prophet ever made. He limited the anointing 
which was upon the major. Jesus says, ask for all what you want. I will not withhold. I will grant it to you. Jesus is our power of attorney. Ask the Father in the name of Jesus and he will grant all our requests. He asked for a double portion. And do you know what? That is all what he got. Dakes, Jennings Dakes says in his Bible that Elijah, Jehovah is God, performed 16 miracles. He says furthermore that Elisha, God's way of salvation, performed 32 miracles, his last miracle, even while he was dead. When that dead man touched his dead bones, that dead man became alive. A double portion. What are we to ask God for? The man of God says, I will grant your request, but you must see me being taken up. Your eyes as always to be upward, men of God. And even as he looked, he beheld the chariots of fire and the horsemen thereof take this mighty man of God into heaven. Hallelujah. He tore his garment in two and he cried, My father, my father. What an honor. Notice how he, how he addresses the man of God. He says, my father, my father, twice. I hope I'm right, but twice. I have an acronym for the word father. The Bible says there are many preachers, but very few fathers in the house of the Lord today. Many preachers, powerful apostolic prophetical, yeah, powerful men of God. But there are very few fathers. F-A-T-H-E-R. Fathers always teach heaven's eternal righteousness. You could call the man father in that the man had imparted what? The knowledge. The man had imparted the vision. And through the anointing which was upon him, God was about to anoint Elijah with the powerful anointing. Of the spirit. Oh hallelujah. The threefold cord was upon him. Amen. He tears his clothes. Tears it in two. And it goes towards. Goes towards the Jordan. And he stands on the side that they have crossed. And he views the side from which he had come from. What do you see? On the crossing over. What do you see on the other side? This has got to be your vision. You got the knowledge, but on the other side is your vision which drives you, which motivates you, which propels you to get there and change things for the better. You have the answer to all the problems. You have life over death. I know this verse was not echoed by the mighty now, my major man of God. I know he did not echo these words, but as you stand on the crossed over side and you view the other side from whence you came, 
say these words with me. He smote the waters. And by the way, he never ever picked up Elijah's mantle ever again. But say these words with me. As you stand on the bank that's crossed over and you look on the other side and you have this vision in your heart. You have the knowledge. You have the vision. And you also have that which I'm about to say. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord God has anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He that sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. What do you see this morning? Let me just reiterate what I believe the now major prophet Elisha had seen. He saw Gilgal. And he saw God's people no more under theocratic government, no more wanting to submit to the authority of God's word, but no, they'd rather listen to man. Instead of influencing the other nations, instead of convincing the other nations that there's only one true God, Jehovah, no, they embraced the gods of the other nations. They became as infidels they had circumcision yes as a sign of covenant but they had no circumcision of heart and mind and soul he saw a backslidden nation that needed the word from god what did he see he saw people at bethel he saw a, a, a nation that once knew God through the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But what does he see now? No, Jerusalem is no more just the temple of God. There are other two temples, one at Dan and one at Bethel. The temple of God has been made an abomination. God's people are far from God and they're bowing down to false gods. What do you see at Jericho? Yes, the victory you have seen, how that God gives us victory. And all we have to do is walk in the ways of God, worship God and shout the glory of God. And all that which is against us will collapse and fall as long as we have our eyes upward, as long as our eyes are on the author and finisher of our faith. But all know what we do, we take matters in our hands and we say no God we'll deal with it ourselves this is but a small problem let me say the problems are never too big and the problems are never too small I don't know what you see this morning man of God what do you see I see a church I see a church yes in many cases blessed and honored by God but I also see areas in the church that are far removed from God. The church in many a way is not doing good service to God. You go to churches, it's lost its Pentecostalism. No more speaking in tongues, no more gifts of the Holy Ghost. You go to church these days, it's a concert. You can't participate whatsoever. There's a band there and they rule and reign. There's no tongues, there's no prophecy, there's no manifestation of the Spirit. A man of God has taken over and he sets the tone for the church. It's no more ruled by the Spirit of God. I listened to a man the other day, 
uh, Jetson Franklin, my wife and I had tears in our eyes. Man, he was supposed to preach, I think it was uh, uh, um, Resurrection Morning. But what they'd done, he sang, he took out his trumpet, and he worshipped, and he blew, and he sang unto God. He said that he couldn't preach. There was no need to preach, because the Spirit of God had fallen. Let me say this. I tell you, we have steamrolled God out of our churches. All that you hear in churches these days is money, 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 money. You go to churches these days, my God, it's become a benevolent society. I don't want to mention the church, who they are, but there's one church. They do so much good for people. They do no good for the salvation of people. They even take communion, communion out of their doctrinal stand. They don't believe in water baptism, but all that they do is give, 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 and they have the nerve and the audacity to call themselves a church. Oh, no! The church is far removed from the standard of God. We need young men to take over where we leave off. I don't know about you, man of God, but I know many men of God who are called as fathers to the church, who are called of God to reproduce after their own kind. Apostles to raise up apostles, prophets to raise up prophets, Evangelists to raise up evangelists, pastors to raise up pastors, and teachers to raise up teachers. Amen. What are you giving the church? What are you giving the church? You know, the best thing that you can give the church is your spiritual sons and your spiritual daughters that you have raised up for an hour such as this. Get ready, men of God. Take a spiritual rope now. Do what Jesus done. Spend night after night after night in prayer. Let God pinpoint to you the people of God of whom he's got his hand upon that is calling into ministry. Then you take them, check them out. Do a checklist on them and begin to teach and to train these men. And oh yes, 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 yes. You travel here, you travel there. You go all over. You meet that apostle, that prophet. You have a network. You have a network with the other fivefold ministries. But you know what? You're not working with your own men. You read your word. Paul had missionary teams from local churches that accompanied him. Do it God's way. Do it God's way. Amen. I went to a church the other day. And... Was a good service. I don't agree with all that which was said. Some was good and some was questionable. But they said they are an apostolic prophetical church. And my God, I put two and two together. The apostle was the pastor. And I dare say that the prophet was his wife. God! God! We've got to do something to this church. I don't know, young men. Look at your pastor. If he's a good man of God, attach yourself to him. Become his servant. Do anything but to bless him. Never ever allow people to run him down. You defend him. You watch his back. You serve him. Be like Joshua. Be like Elijah and pour water on the hands of God's servants. I've said enough. I've said enough. Oh, I just sense the move of God. I sense the spirit of God. Oh, God, oh, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Father, as servants of God, we have grave responsibilities.
The Bible says we ought to care for the sheep. We ought to lead them to pastures green and to fountains of living waters. We ought to protect them from the wiles of the enemy. We ought to God preach good doctrine that they don't succumb or go to falsehood. But also God will be called to raise men and women up in the ministry. We are called, oh God, to reproduce after our own kind. And God, we cannot do this in our own power and our own strength. We need a knowledge that comes from above. We need a knowledge that is quickened by the power and the anointing of the Spirit. We need to impart the vision that's not of our own developing, but God, it's been part, imparted by the Spirit of God. We know and we realize, oh God, it's not by might nor by power, not by the might of our knowledge, nor by the power of our vision. It's but by the Spirit of God and the Spirit of God alone. God, take this word in the name of Jesus. And God poured out upon your people in the name of Jesus. Raise up men and women that will stand in the gap and that God, they will bring the church to a place where God, the power and the glory of God will come back to. I pray it in Jesus' name with much thanksgiving. Amen. God bless you. God keep you. Remember me and Ian and Mrs. D in prayer. Amen. The good three. <laughs> We're not the pitiless three. We're not the good, the bad, and the ugly. We are Peter, James, and John. <laughs> God bless you. God keep you. And I trust you will take this word and share it with your family, your friends, and your church. God bless you. Have a good week. Hallelujah.